Hi, I'm Michael White from Lean Towards Joy. This is the podcast that talks about just that, how leaning towards joy can change every part of your life. In this five-part series, we will be chatting with therapists that have made the transition from an agency setting to their own private practice. Some have thriving private practices, some have opened up their own agencies, and some have joined online platforms. The one thing that they all have in common is that they too were once newly licensed and faced with the decision to go out on their own. This series will discuss what helped them make that transition to private practice and what tips or lessons they can share with the rest of us. So if you're a newly licensed therapist or looking to move in your career, then this episode's for you. Even if you're not a therapist, these stories transfer across multiple industries. These are people that lean towards their joy, followed their passion, and are shining their light. Hi, today I'm excited to have a conversation with Janet Weber. She created a private practice in the Bay Area of California. Her practice is called Delve Therapy, which is aptly named because she helps clients delve within to their stuck place through a deep exploration of self. I was fortunate to have met Janet several years ago when she started building her practice, and I'm really excited to have her on today discussing that process. So Janet, thanks for taking the time to sit down with me today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right. So we have uh, kind of listeners that are either newly licensed, that um, have been working for an agency for a longer time, looking for a shift, um, really just kind of throughout the different stages. And the idea of this podcast is to kind of give them kind of a kind of an opening into what different worlds look like, you know, whether you open your own mm-hmm. private practice, go into group practice, go into an online platform. So I'd really love to kind of hear um, your background a little bit of, you know, did you come from an agency? Did you go through, you know, how did you build your hours? And then, you know, what led to your, to your private practice? Okay. I, um, let's see. In, in my twenties, I actually lived abroad in Asia and came back uh, to the States and uh, got a job at a college uh, near a local college. And I really liked working at the college and being a part of the campus community and, uh, and, decided to become a college counselor. And I really have loved doing that. I've done that since um, the early aughts. Mm-hmm. And then at, at, then at one point, I got my LPCC license and started thinking about doing a private practice on, um, the, uh, I'm a, I'm a counselor at a California community college and we're lucky enough to be tenured faculty, which means that, uh, the full-time position is 30 hours. So I always felt like I wanted to do, I, I have always, um, wanted to do both the college counseling and having a private and have a private practice because mm-hmm. I have a pat I've had a passion for both. So at one and two, I think it was 2000, I think it was 2016, 2017, 
I decided to start that and I wanted to do it online. And that was before the pandemic. And yeah, that's very unique. That's way before (laughs) telehealth was like a mainstream, you know, operation. Yes. And I really had to find information on, you know, uh, from people that were doing it. There was a few people that were doing it and really uh, loving their lifestyle doing that. And um, I remember having to explain to people what telehealth was. I had a big section on my website about telehealth and um and now I don't have to <laughs> yeah. explain it anymore. Now you have to explain why you're doing in-office visits. What do you mean? I have to actually yes. get out of my house. <laughs> yes. And um and then uh better help came, better help and uh talk space. That was when they just started, or at least when I was just hearing about them. That that was about 2017, you said? Was that right around? Yeah, 2016, maybe. A couple years before the telehealth shift. So still feeling new. Okay. Yeah. And and so I I was interested in, in those two companies because I saw that, oh, they're doing what I've wanted to do. And I wonder how they do it. And um, and so I decided to join them as a therapist because, you know, I only had one day to do the therapy and I wanted to see how they were doing it and how it worked and if I liked it and to see how they were doing it. You know, I was trying to figure out now we have all these great um platforms sure to use. Yeah. Um and um and but I you know, so I was trying to figure out there was, you know, some companies that had the video and some companies that had, you know, you had to kind of piece it all together. And I wanted to see how they were doing that. So I mm-hmm. joined and um and I remember I, you know, they uh, I joined and the I opened myself up for clients and I woke up the next morning and I had like 40 clients. Wow. Yeah. And so I had to spend and like uh, they had me set up an automated message that I didn't realize was going out to everyone. And so and it was this automated message about how you know, let me know what's going on. And so I woke up to all these emails, people, you know, telling me about what was happening. And so I just sat down that day and went through all of them and got back to everyone and and just kept about five clients, which ended up, you know, I ended up keeping only about three of them. Mm-hmm. And BetterHelp worked for me in that way, because I, I, wasn't very involved with the company. I just had my three clients. It provided me with the platform. Um, I didn't get paid very much at all. It was, it was more of like, I kind of felt like I was, you know, uh, I was getting paid so little through better help. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was also learning a lot about how to uh, build my practice yeah. And and like, I had like the the, uh, the shallow, like the kiddie pool or shallow end of the, you know, 
getting yes. your, just you're getting your toes wet in that in yes. that space. Yeah. Exactly. And I had these three clients that I cat uh that um uh stayed with me for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And uh, and at, at one point I even took an interim dean position at the college. So it was, you know, rather than building my practice at the time, it was just kind of something I was able to do on the side and still enjoy and learn from. And then, um, and then I, at the same time during those two years, I was also building, you know, my practice that, you know, figuring out, you know, how I was doing it. And, and so now I use the platform simple practice, which I really like a lot. There, um, some people, there's a lot of, I have heard a lot of, uh, I have heard a, a lot of people that don't like it as much as I do, but I really like it. It, yeah. you know, it just provides everything you need. It's pretty seamless for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was wonderful to have that rather than having to piece it together. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And then, and I have been doing that probably since 2018, 19, mm-hmm. um, probably 2019. And now I have about 10 clients a week, probably about 10 that's, clients a week. I a busy schedule for someone who's also, you know, doing another 30 hour gig. Yeah. You keep well, I'm not, do, I'm <laughs> actually not doing 30 hours now at the college. So what I've done is I've reduced my schedule at the college mm-hmm. to 80%. So I have about 20 hours at the college and uh, about 10 clients a week. And then each year I'm kind of, kind of, reduce my hours at the college and increase my private practice and kind of slowly um, move more and more towards the practice. Yeah. Well, I love that you're able to kind of fulfill both needs, you know, of yes. like wanting to still stay, you know, because it doesn't always have to be an all or nothing, um, mm-hmm. you know, like, cause some, especially sometimes like, um, you know, especially with certain agency settings, like especially if it's like a trauma clinic or something like that, like you know, there's a high turnover for a reason. There's a lot of burnout, mm-hmm. um, yes. you know, but some people still are so passionate about trying to do that work. Like it does show that, y- you know, you can do, you know, one time and on a one thing as like a part-time basis or, you know, a few clients through the agency and then continue, you know, your private practice, which helps you know, pay the bills to help, you know, uh, you know, offset some of the, the, those, those, um, you know, other agency jobs, which, um, you know, usually just, they don't pay as much because that's just how they're, how they're designed Mm -hmm. when you, yeah. um, I mean, I, I definitely recommend this path to people that do like working with college students because it has been great. Like when I was younger and, I was really passionate about, you know, being at the college and helping the students there and building programs and, and, and now I'm much more passionate about the private practice and the therapeutic approaches I'm learning. And, um, so it's been, it's been a nice way to shift and, um, through the years. That's great. Uh, 
with, you know, not coming from like an agency background, um, what did you, you know, when you come from an agency, you have certain like systems in place that you're, you know, you're used to what you, you have at the, uh, at the college, of course, you know, if a student's in crisis or something, you kind of know how to respond and you have a, you know, network of people to, to contact. Um, how did you find going into private practice? How much of that, like, kind of, could you learn and carry into your private practice? Cause especially, um, you know, with both an online platform, but then also your own specific private practice of like, did you decide to take insurance? Did, mm. did you have, um, you know, obviously you would have a supervisor, but did you have a network of people that if someone you were working with, like went into crisis, like how did you kind of deal with that um, in terms mm -hmm. of your support? Mm, that's a good question. I, I, um, one of the hurdles that one of the challenges for me was I have a lot of friends that went to grad school together and um, became therapists together. You know, they were new therapists together and they had a, you know, they have a really good community. Um, and I, they were definitely there for me if, if I needed um, advice on, you know, any clients that were having a crisis or and anytime I needed advice. And it was great to have these friends that have been doing it for 20 plus years. Mm -hmm. um, uh, what I was missing, though, was like that community of people that I, you know, becoming therapists together. And so I've really, um, have valued being part of consultation groups. Mm -hmm. Um, and also I, uh, join, I've been doing some training programs and have met people in those programs that are, uh, you know, at the same level of starting their practices as me. And that has been really helpful. Good. Um, uh, yeah. I know that it can be definitely kind of isolating. Like you go out on your own and, and especially, you know, you've chosen the path of, you know, online, which, you know, obviously you're, you're deeply connecting with your clients, but they're still, you're by yourself. Like there's nothing mm -hmm. more literal about being by yourself mm -hmm. than you know, an online practice where it's like, okay, well, who I got to talk to someone. So it's good to yes. know that um, even if you don't have a support system, of you know people that live near you or you moved away like it sounds like there's still opportunities to connect to different groups and uh either through training or th that um um consultation group that is that something that you had to research did you kind of stumble upon it how how did you find that one of the consultation groups i'm with is through cal pcc um which is the you know, California group for the LPCCs. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the groups I started myself, I kind of, I gathered some of the therapists that I really uh, thought were, you know, aligned with me and were really good therapists. And I valued their um, opinions. 
And also I have always um, done consultation with someone. So I do that every other week, uh, which I think, which I think is really important for me. It's really important that if I'm doing therapy, I'm working with someone Mm -hmm. that has a lot more experience than me and I can um, um, be mentored. Yeah. 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 That's good. Uh, with h- how do you how did you navigate the insurance question? Because I know there there is mm-hmm. there's pros and cons to both. I know some yes. people take it. Uh, some people don't. You know the people that some of the pros to people you know people um, taking it is that I know that it it makes it a little bit easier sometimes of, you know, getting that client list because the network is providing, you know, they're either on your own directory or they're, you know, giving your information to somebody. Uh, but then there's also kind of the limitations around that mm-hmm. of, you know, extra auditing, they can claw back the money, they mm-hmm. dictate the terms of how much you make, you know, things like that. So I definitely know that, you know, there's pros and cons to both. How did you kind of navigate that? Did you take it? Do you still take it? Um yeah, yeah it, I I feel like I was in a position where I didn't have to because I had the um position at the college and mm. you know it was just I, I I had the luxury of starting my practice slowly building it slowly and um and so I didn't feel the need to take insurance and the, also I think I you know, kind of used better help as that, you know, jumping off point where a lot of people will, you know, in the beginning of a, when they start their private practice, they start with insurance, thinking insurance. Yeah. Um, I, I had heard from so many therapists about the hassles and, um, getting paid less. And so I, I always knew it was something I didn't want to do i'm not great with paperwork and all those details and the diagnoses and and so i just knew it wasn't something for me i mean i think for the biggest benefit the the reason i regret not taking insurance is that i do believe that people should be able to see therapy without having to pay two hundred dollars a session sure and so the way i've um compensate for that is I always have some low fee spots in my practice. Mm-hmm. Um so you keep yeah. some like sliding scale spots just kind of open for yeah I can take some at this price and some at this price and that yes. completes my week. Yeah. I think too, um if I remember correctly, you would have had a I don't know about in California, but in some places they had a harder time um even the insurance company kind of wrapping their head around telehealth in the beginning of like, yes. oh, that's not in person. We're not paying for that. Yeah, um, you know, it's a it's a much different ball game now. You know, since COVID, but um, yes, that's true. Kind of pre two thousand twenty, that was. I know that that was tricky, especially you know when you started your. Practice. Yes, I remember in the beginning of the pandemic, a lot of yeah. there was a lot of discussion around that. Yeah, um, when you were building. Uh, well, I guess let me speak to a little bit to the online. Um, you chose to go online only when it before it was cool. Um, kind of what made you 
choose that path instead of the in-person, you know, because it's relevant now, this topic, because there's so many people that have spent, you know, the last couple of years or got newly licensed in the last few years when it has all been telehealth. And now they're like, do I go back in person, you know, or do I, do I stay Mm -hmm. online? And, you know, now you have a, now you have a different clientele that are used to being online where, you know, you don't have to necessarily put the whole thing on your website of why telehealth works still as an <laughs> option because people kind of get that. Uh, but there's still a lot of people asking. It's like, do I go out and rent that office space and start seeing people in person and, um, you know, do all of that or continue online? So I'm curious kind of what made you decide the online versus in person? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I it's it, yes it is interesting it's interesting watching that transition in the beginning of the pandemic and then watching it now and hearing from my friends that have always had in person offices to going online during the pandemic and now i've seen you know talking to my friends and some are really excited to get back to the office and be in person and some have really love doing it online and I've decided mm-hmm. to stay online. And um when I started, I um the idea I had when I first started my private practice was like that I wanted to work with people internationally. Mm-hmm. And I actually did a lot of research on like who you can work with, you know, which countries you're legally allowed to work with and um, and I did, you know, I have had a couple international clients, but it it didn't really um, pan out that way. So um, where I have had a couple international clients, but most of them have been in California. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, um, you can work. Um, so it depends on where the client is located. So yeah. in certain countries, they don't regulate the therapy. And so you can, you know, like I cannot work with someone in Michigan, but I can work with someone in England. And um, so I put a lot of time into studying that and marketing towards that. And, and then ended up with most of my clients in California. (laughs) So that was why I originally was doing it online. But then once I started, I really loved it. And then I started my own therapy online and really loved that. Mm-hmm. I really loved like not having to drive into the office and being someone else. I loved doing my own therapy, like in my house, on my sofa with my blanket, my tea. And yeah. I just felt safer and more comfortable. And, um, and so I saw how much I liked it as a client. And then, um, and, and I, I like it for some of the same reasons as a therapist, um, just being able to be at home. And, um, and I find that it's, um, that it can be very, it can be just as intimate as in person. There's Mm -hmm. a different way. It's a, it's a very, um, it's a different container. Um, but I do feel like you can have that same, um, um, 
rapport with your clients. Yeah. And, and I also imagine yeah. that like the, the, you, you know, you'd be comfortable in, you know, any space as the, you know, clinician, that's what you've, you know, you worked on and, you know, mm -hmm. become comfortable with over the years. But as, you know, a client, I would imagine there's probably some more comfort with them being in their safe space mm -hmm. as well um, when it comes to that rapport. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, obviously you, you hit a lot of kind of hurdles along the way from, you know, starting an online practice before, again, you know, before there was like a platform built for an online practice, really. Um, but what if you can think of any um like kind of hurdles that you didn't think of or kind of hit you along the way you're like oh i didn't like think of that whether it was like cancellation policy stuff or mm -hmm. you know setting up your business or again like the international piece um i'm just kind of curious like just to you know there might be someone listening that you know that's the reason why they haven't gone into private practice and mm -hmm. you know the whole goal of this is to try to you know, um, just kind of show that, you know, those are those hurdles, if you know, they can't be, you know, kind of beaten down from, you know, yourself and your own information. It's like someone else is out there that could help you, you know, you know, with that. So I'm just kind of curious if there's anything that you mm -hmm. could share, you know, in your years mm -hmm. of being in private practice. Hmm. Um, yes, I do. I mean, I do have a lot of friends that are piecing everything together. And I keep trying to explain to them how great it is to have a platform like simple practice or, you know, one of the other, you know, therapy notes or what, whichever one it is. Um, um, I think, I mean, I think it makes my life so much better that, you know, that, that you have all your intake forms there. They saw, you know, I still have friends that like, are mailing their intake forms to their clients and yeah. um and then doing FaceTime for their appointments, which isn't really even legal. And um, and just to have it all in one place where you're billing, you're sending your intake forms, your billing, your notes, your video, your appointments, everything is right there. Yeah. Um I one thing that I am often still um, surprised about is a lot of times the consultation groups, we will end up talking about our practices and um, what do you do for your consultation cancellation policy? And what do you do when this, you know, uh, um, how do you, um, you know, manage your time or, how do you take your notes? A lot of times we end up having those discussions rather yeah. than talking about client issues. And yeah. so I think that that that's one thing I've realized is that is as important in the consultation groups as um, having time to discuss clients. Mm -hmm. Because like you said, we are kind of all isolated doing our own things. And yeah, and you're, and you're trying to you know, you're running your own small business, you know, in a sense, yes. because that's what it is. You have to, you know, yes. make sure you, you know, build that business to survive. Otherwise, uh, you, you know, you won't be able to follow through with, you know, or you'll be surprised that like, I, you know, I saw these 20 clients a week and why, you know, why am I making the same money as I did with the agency or not much more? Yes. Uh, you know, so. 
Yeah, uh, that brings up a good point. That would be another uh, um, thing I would say is that I, you know, I hired someone to do my bookkeeping. I probably, you know, I'm paying too much because I don't really have that much bookkeeping to do, but it just saves my brain energy so yeah. much. I yeah. can just, you know, and meeting with you a couple of times to just talk about my practice and like, you know, and, and the bigger picture and mm-hmm. um, yeah, I definitely am a fan of hiring people that know what they're doing in their um, specialty more than I do. <laughs> well, and I think that, that, you know, you go, you, you bring up a good point because it's, um, you know, sure, you know, whether, you know, it's me and my company or a platform, you know, that you're paying monthly for or a bookkeeper that you're mm-hmm. paying that, um, you know, the thing is, it's like, these are things that, again, it, like some people love to do that some stuff themselves and they like to kind of get their hands dirty in it or learn it or, you mm-hmm. know, whatever. But if it's preventing you from bringing in 10x you yes. know, what you were making, it's like that few hundred dollars in the beginning or that you know, monthly, you know, 75 or, you know, whatever it might be, that's kind of small potatoes when you talk about, you know, how much more, um, you know, your practice is going to bring in and you'll just be happier about it. But there's a lot of that kind of that fear in the very beginning of like, I'm going out on my own. I don't have any clients. How can I spend this money? Um, Yes. That's a really good point. I I think a lot of that happens. Um, I agree. That's a good point. It doesn't only free up your stress and your brain energy, but it can also bring in a lot more clients and end yeah. up making more money than you are spending on. Yeah. Them. Yeah. If you're not spending, you know, all the time trying to figure out the, you know, this piece of it, it's like, that's, that's another client a week. That's another, you know, 400, 800, you know, a month. It's like, oh yeah, that's, that's a lot easier to just, you know, justify that, that expense. Um, I do want to be, you know, speaking of time management, I want to be mindful of your time. Um, where can people find you? Is your website best? Do you have social media? Mm-hmm. Like how can how can people reach out? Uh, yes, my, my, or my practice is, or? yeah, my practice is called Delve, as you said, and um and the website is delvetherapy.com. And that is where you can find me. Um yeah. Well, that's great. I feel like um, you really touched a lot upon, you know, a lot of a lot of issues that, you know, newly licensed therapists face and even mm-hmm. someone who's not newly licensed. That's just been, you know, um, someplace for a while and kind of has this urge to to try something new. And so you really helped um, shed some light on a, a couple different things, you know, starting your own, but also the online platform. So mm-hmm. um so I really want to thank you, you know, once more for for coming on. I really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Take care. That wraps up this episode. Stay tuned for our next episode where we'll be having a conversation with a therapist who walks us through how she grew her practice and family at the same time and how to strike that delicate balance so many professionals face. Lean Towards Joy was created to help heart-centered entrepreneurs start and grow their businesses. We have helped therapists and entrepreneurs across the country navigate HIPAA, LLCs, and removing the hurdles to help them follow their passion. 
If you'd like to bring more joy into your life and connect with Lean Towards Joy, you can subscribe here or find us on social at Lean Towards Joy. You can also visit our website at leantowardsjoy.com. Thanks for listening.